Hey, Tara, we totally hit the jackpot when we were able to interview Eric Murray. Mind blown. <laughs> I, I just, it just boggled my mind. I mean, the idea of meeting him, the idea of talking to him, and the episode ended up being such a fun and informative conversation. Um, like, he's a very technical word. He's a very savvy, technical guy. But most of all, just he's got judge. Like, he's just got this swagger. He's got judge, and he's so fast, and he's so funny and interesting. And um, I don't know. I mean, we don't know him as a human being other than that, you know, like other than what we see at the commentating for World Rowing or um, at the Olympics or something. We really don't know him. But my, by all accounts, he seems like a pretty fun guy and he's a champion and it was really an honor to talk to him. Yeah, so I don't know if that we explained this going into the full episode about how we actually landed that interview. So I just wanted to take a second to explain that basically we had done an interview with the Dreisagacker brothers from Concept 2. Yep. We yeah. posted that episode, Concept 2 posted the episode to their social media feeds, and on Facebook, Eric Murray left a comment. And he said something like, hey, if they ever want magic in a podcast episode, I'm there. And I was like, I love his, I love his confidence. That's great. Yeah. And <laughs> I magic. Yeah. And I was like, seriously, seriously. It took me about one second to reply to him and say, well, if you really ever want to be on our podcast, drop us a line. Right. And then Which, you took over the, and then you took over the conversation there. Yeah. So he wrote something very similar in uh, a private message to us that just said, Hey, you want some magic in your podcast? And here's my email. And I saw that he was a verified person. It was Kiwi Pear. You know, I saw that it was verified, but I was kind of like, mm. can't really be Eric Murray. Yeah. <laughs> is someone is someone kind of punking us? And so I wrote back, wait, is this really Eric Murray? And then I thought, I'll give him a quiz. And I said, if it is, quick quiz. What stroke rate were you going at at 2014 Worlds where Hamish famously dipped his hand into the water before you crossed the finish line? <laughs> you yeah. Know? And he, I was like, okay, only he would know. And it is published, you know, where what rate they were at, but he would know. So he wrote back this very funny response. He says, ha, 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 it was probably 37 to 39 strokes a minute with 6.50 to go or something like that. And I was like, yeah. there you go, you're in. Thank you. You're in. <laughs> you're in. And then, and then it was this awesome quickie turnaround where within like a few days, we had him in a Zoom meeting and we were talking about his rowing career and we did follow up with him about that famous 2014 hand dip during world championships um if it's you legendary. guys have not yeah if you guys haven't seen the video we'll include a link um on the website for you to check it out uh not only did he dip his hand in but uh you know it made no difference to them like it was so fast they've practiced it and they ended up winning gold so uh, but the story itself is, is awesome and we kind of talk about handles and slippery hands versus you know friction on the handles so it gets a little technical in there too and i think one of the takeaways i had from the hand up which he actually spoke to was some people think, my God, how arrogant. Like they can dip their hand in the water so casually and still <laughs> yeah. win. 
are that confident. And he yeah. was like, no, yeah. um, it's just something that we've done so, 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 so many times. It's always a risk. Don't do it. Don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> you know. Um, but it was nice to see sort of the humanity behind it and the work that goes into you being at a level where you know your oars, you know your partner, you know the water so, so, so well, and um, and you win, you know? So yeah. it was it was really something special. Yeah, so with that, we present you with uh, Eric Murray talking about the 2014 World Championships when his pair partner, Hamish Bond, dipped his hand at a 38 uh, stroke rate, and we'll see how that goes. Hope you enjoy the story. Well, we're so excited. I'm a super fan. Uh, I'm the one that asked you the question about the hand dip um, because I wasn't quite convinced. <laughs> Believe it happened. Oh, when that happened, I was like, and we kept going. He did it many more times than that. And I was like, holy shit. And um, we, did, we, but we got very good at it because when we were doing such long distance races, what we, what we found was we were like, we, we obviously used Concept 2 blades, but we had fixed handles. Um, we just didn't like the adjustables as much. And we, we, we had our setting 377116, bang, that was us. We didn't change it. We didn't even try. Um, and we, we'd, we'd adjust some pitch and laterals and other crap, but we, we got used to it. And our philosophy was, doesn't matter if it's a headwind, tailwind, we're going to use the same shit. One of the biggest parts of probably why we were, we were very good endurance-wise and we didn't slow down was that we do these races like 5, 6K, 8K, 10K, like open rate from on Carapero. And, and of course, we wouldn't wire brush the handles, okay? So people get out the wire brush and they, and they scrub them up. What we found is when you get a new handle, if you actually use like sort of 100, 120 grit sandpaper every two or three weeks, you just scuff it up a little bit. It would give really, really good grip. But when it's hot and there's wind and everything else, it would dry out and then it just gets just a little bit slippery. Um, and so, of course, but while you're rowing, if you dip your hand and get it on there, the grip is fantastic. So it was really good. So while we were doing these long distance races, we get very, very good at like rowing at 35 plus and then bang, in the water back on the handle very, very quickly. I never had to bring that out in a race. Um, but Hamish, on the other hand, you know, but you get into a position where you're like, I'm confident that I can do it. Um, and of course, you know, when you're, when you're right, you know, it's like when you're sculling and you're like, shit, my handles are very slippery and you start worrying about your grip through a race and you're like, oh, there's too much sweat on my hands. Um, but to alleviate that, obviously, if you dip, if you stop and dip your hands really quickly, I'll show you, I'll send you a video after this. We did it in a race, or it was a long distance race there at Carapera. He did it while he was in a double. Okay. And I've got the video. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's mastery. That is mastery. I actually love dipping the hand because I rode concept two kind of older ones with actually the wood handles, the, you know, the woody ones. I was always doing the dip because not at 37 and not in the Olympics. Um, but still, I think if you're right, it makes such a huge difference. And the moment that you do the dip could erase 20 seconds of stress about whether your hand's going to stay on the handle, right? Like you're just yep. eliminating the stress by just, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And you got to pick, you got to pick the moment, but if you've practiced, it's like not a, if, if you haven't done it before, obviously very, very bad choice. But if you've done it before, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to get to the finisher on the way forward, catch the oar on the way back. 
bang, great to do in normal time, not great to do in the final of a World Cup or World Champs. So sure. I remember seeing that happen and being like, what What just happened? Why oh. did he do it? Was it actually a good choice? That's it. Were you ahead? Yeah, that's Were it. you already safely oh. ahead? Of course, right? Oh, like open water, probably, right? Probably, we, we did have some open water. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, all it takes is for you to like do it and then clip a bit of water and it is disaster. Uh, we sure. never had that in training. So the probability of it not being a disaster was okay. Yeah. And actually, it's a concept that I think some newer rowers or lesser experienced rowers may not understand that actually having a slightly wetter hand helps with grip. That was really mm-hmm. confusing to me when I first thought about it. I was like, wh- usually when I'm sweaty and disgusting is when I want to like wipe my hand on my shirt to dry it off. But actually that water creates friction, which yeah. really helps with the grip. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we searched high and high and wide for different strategies you know we tried different handles the the green sort of plasticky rubber ones like we tried everything and the best opportunity we came up with was wood that had a little bit of smoothness very clean and then when it's wet you were like oh this is amazing and so as long as it was soaked in the water prior and just before you started your like hands are on they're all basically covered in water but of course if you didn't do enough and then it dried out just with the wind and everything on the race, that's when it started to get a little bit iffy. Can I ask a question? When you're racing in the Olympics, do you take a water bottle in the boat with you? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you. You want to? Do you want to hear a funny story? And in, in two thousand and two thousand and seven, we were when we were racing in the four. We raced at the Amsterdam World Cup, and we came out of the blocks. And there was this massive lurch in the boat. And we're like, bah, what happened? We were got behind. We, we got in front and we won our semi-final. And, and we turned around to the bowman like, did you catch a grab? And he goes, no, nah, my drink bottle came up under my feet, hooked up underneath the seat and, and like stopped the seat. But he didn't throw it out of the boat. He just shoved it back down yeah. again. And so yeah. we were like, oh, my God. And, of course, so after that, there was a rule, no water bottles in the boat. Yeah. So we'd take, we'd take water, we'd get a, a little drink bottle, and then it, just like most people, you'd, you'd finish it when you get up, throw it to the, um, the boat holder, um, job done. But the whole boom, 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 boom bloody water yeah. bottles flying around the place, yeah. that bugged me. But I had... Um, I made a little pocket in the bowel of the impacker and I and a one 1.5 litre um, that, that used to sit perfectly. I, I put a little tuple, like a little um, Sistema cup uh, thing and it would jam in there, boom, and it would never come out and it was perfect. So it was perfect for training and everything. And, and like, we used to go through litres and litres of water to a point where if when we were overseas training in like Switzerland, Noel would be carrying another couple of litres, if not two or three litres in the boat. Because both Hamish and I, um, we are sweaters, like chronic sweaters. And oh, yes. There's probably, if you go back over some of the social media, you'll see some lakes. And that was basically what we were like. I, I've seen the, the two of you doing a piece on the tall ergs and then like having to like squeegee the floor like <laughs> underneath the ergs. It was good, though, because for us, it was like when we were sweating and when it was just coming off like you were okay, I'm in a really good place. And so it was great to, to understand when the sweat started coming, right, I, I pretty much know I'm in my working zone and so I'm ready to go. Whereas if you weren't sweating, you're like, hmm, maybe I'm not working hard enough. But yeah, it used to be disgusting sometimes. Like I used to be a little bit um, disturbed about the amount of 
fluid that would come out of us. (laughs) (laughs) When your coach like shoves you off the dock and you're about to go do the gold medal round at the Olympics, shoves you off the dock. Good luck. You know, high five. Here you go. What kind of a warm up uh, routine do you have? 2014 World Cup in Lucerne, um, the final, and Martin Cross and and Greg Searle are talking about um, our warm up because what we started to find through our physiologist was that that we were spending almost a third of our row like warming up as as high performance athletes you get super super fit we'd sort of go 10 or 12 k's up and back whatever and we'd only start feeling warm by the time we got up so our physiologist was like right we need to do more warm-up heart rate needs to get up quicker blah 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 so we started doing quite heavy bikes and ergs prior to getting on the water in training and in racing and then of course what was happening in some of our races we were finding we weren't really getting up to speed well not all comfortable speed until after the thousand where we and that's where we started like really making the damage on the cruise so basically in our later years sort of 2012 through till like 2016 we used to do probably half an hour or so on the bikes like heavy and i mean like intervals in terms of like getting their heart rate well above like u2 u1 um, and then what that meant is you could do all your aerobic sort of warm up, and then as you got on the water, all you needed to do after that was like your um, uh, your primers. So you're you're like, okay, we're going to do a minute at twenty eight, minute at thirty, minute thirty two, and then some like fast pieces, and then some starts. And of course, when you get to most lakes around the world, you can't warm up. It's terrible. You got people in front of you. You can't do a long piece, and so. We, we started doing a lot of heavy stuff off the water and then putting that on the water. So we'd be doing a good hour of 15 sort of period between when we first started warming up to when the race was. And it was all cut back in time of when we needed to get on the water. And, and quite often, um, especially Lucerne, because it's terrible to like warm up on, um, we'd only be on the water for like 20 minutes. So while everyone else is spending 40 minutes doing like five or six laps up the thing, we used to get on, start rowing up, bang, straight into a piece, get up to the top, full Reese pieces back, go up again, do some starts halfway round, cut in, go into the box. And of course, the, the next group of people was already getting on the water and people were looking at us going, man, your race is like 20 minutes away. But we'd done all the warm up we needed to prior before getting on. Um, that's how we found a really, really good way of doing the warm ups. And yeah, we'd get onto the water already sweating, just ready to go. I know I've talked to other people before races and one of our main things is you can't guarantee that you're going to get a good warm up on the water. So you need to like be doing your, your work on land. Yeah. Oh, but the biggest thing is everybody goes, save my energy, save my energy. And it's like, but how many times have you gone out for a training and coach will be like, right, we're going to do four 10 minute pieces. And the third one's the best one. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. it's like, you've finally warmed up. You've finally Mm -hmm. got the rhythm. You're finally going. So you've already done like 40, 40 minutes of rowing and yet everyone's like, oh, I've got to save my energy. But when, when you start diving into it in terms of the physiology of, of how fit you actually are, you need that period of time to start warming up. Um, and it's very individualized for, for each person, but we worked on it scientifically and we found what worked for us. Uh, and so we, it wasn't about saving ourselves. It was about getting to the point where we were at our peak for the day ready to go and then and then you've only got a you've only got that commitment for seven odd minutes or whatever this episode is made possible in part by concept two lake washington rowing club and our newest sponsor breakwater realty in portland maine become a sponsor for as little as 65 dollars at steadystatenetwork.com sponsors
in two, let it run, one, two, let it run.